As I was closing up for the night, I thought about all the movies that had been discussed in the spoiler room. That was when the temperature in the room changed. I went to the thermostat and it said it was 52 degrees KB. Suddenly I found myself in a maze of movie posters. No matter what direction I went, each path led me back to one actor, Kevin Bacon. That was when it was clear what I had to do. When I snapped out of it, I added bacon to the menu. 2020 was going to be an interesting year in the spoiler room. And welcome, my friends, once again. Yes, here we are. It is in the spoiler room. Thank you for venturing down the stairs, getting out of the heat, pulling up a chair, and sitting with us to hear us talk movies because we just love them so much in the spoiler room. So glad you could join us tonight as we're looking at a film uh, that was uh, from 1999 and made during a period where there were a lot of similar films made like this, and that is movies based off of TV shows. And tonight we're looking at The Mod Squad because it is connected to our previous film, Telling Lies in America. How? Well, you could probably guess, but we'll get to it in just a minute. But first, let me introduce uh, the uh, companion of mine uh the good friend uh and uh fellow host of uh the 52 degrees kb who's taking this journey with me he's back once more mr ian simmons hello ian always glad to have you sir it's it's always a pleasure to be here i do have to start off with a correction instantly mark this Mm. is the earliest correction i've had to offer the previous film was not telling lies in america it was scream 2 oh my god yes it was no thank you for for <laughs> that's what kind of week i've had thank you it's connected to scream 2 yes though we could probably dig and I was, find a connection i was to gonna scream. say i want to go find that connection though <laughs> though we could probably find a connection the way all these movies have played out yes you're right my apologies, folks. Yes, it is actually connected to Scream 2, uh, not telling lies in America. Uh, and yeah, uh, you, you'll be able to definitely tell then what the link is in a minute. But uh, how you doing, sir? Thank you for the correction, by the way. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm doing very well. Um, by the way, did you just offer a pun slash hint as to what the connection is? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Just a little. You coy dog. <laughs> Um, I, I gotta say I'm, I'm doing really well and I was excited to talk to you about this movie, um, because I forgot that this thing existed and I'd never watched it before. So I was excited as I always am to see something I've never watched, especially for the show in this conversation. Um, I, having no memory of it, I couldn't remember how well it did, what people thought of it. Mm -hmm. And about 20 minutes in, I was having this kind of queasy feeling in my stomach that, oh, my God, I've got an hour and 10 minutes left of this. So I paused it and I went to, yes, the tomato meter and looked it up. I'm like, okay, that's a relief because (laughs) I wasn't sure if this is one of those situations where I'm hating a beloved movie or if I'm right in line with the consensus. And did you happen to look up? how this thing rates with critics and audiences. I looked it up after I watched it just before the show. And for me, and this is going to make this, it's going to be an interesting night, folks. For me, (laughs) I was surprised at the 3%. That was quite low for me. So it'll be interesting discussion tonight on this, I think. (laughs) Hey, look, in fairness, the audience score was a whopping 16%. Um, That's that's pretty good. But then again, 0% is Megaforce, and I think that's a crime against cinema that they rated Megaforce so low. 
how dare they? A zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes? They don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. What is Megaforce? You don't know Megaforce? Oh, that's is it like it. a Star Wars spinoff? No, 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 no. It is the closest thing we've ever got to an actual true G.I. Joe movie. Look up Megaforce if you get a chance. I will do a Megaforce watch party, even if it gets me banned on Facebook. <laughs> you you have to see Megaforce, if nothing else, for Barry Boswick in a Ascart and Gold LeMay jumpsuit. What? And Henry Silva as a villain with a huge fleet of tanks. You've got rocket propelled motorcycles you've got oh it's 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 a thing of beauty man it is it is it is it is the closest thing you'll ever actually come to i think a gi joe film because the gi joe films weren't really gi joe films uh never did but this film megaforce if you're a fan of gi joe cartoon at all in the 80s this is as close as you're gonna come it stars uh uh, oh, I always forget her name, but she was in Star Trek The Motion Picture. She uh, played uh, Ilya. Uh, uh, Ilya. Uh, she yeah. is in here. as, uh, And uh, you've got uh, the uh, guy from um, Knight Rider in here as well, the elderly gentleman who played uh, uh, Michael Knight's um, uh, boss, so to speak. Uh, wow. Why yeah, did no- this come out? Megaforce, I think it was, uh, was it 85, 84? Let me look quick. Um, yes, I know, folks, you're here. It, it, <laughs> the title says the Mod Squad, you're talking Megaforce. We gotta, we should do Megaforce. Oh, man. 1982, Barry Boswick. Yeah, Henry wow. Silva. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Persis Kambata, that's, uh, she's in there. Uh oh yeah Ed, yeah Edward Mulher is in there briefly and uh yeah Henry Silva's is the bad guy and as it says the story about a rapid deployment defense unit that is called into action whenever freedom is threatened seriously 1982 wow uh, I- <laughs> that's yeah okay i think we'll have to we'll have to pencil that in i, I, I got i got to do i i'm going to have to do like a group watch so you can watch it with because i will watch that <laughs> film every day it's like i will watch uh robot jocks all the time so now that i've totally delegitimized any opinion i ever have on films now that i've told everyone <laughs> that i both like megaforce and robot jocks uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's bring her back around to the mod squad and Ian, if you could uh, give the synopsis of uh, the mod squad. This is where I'm going to fail you, Mark. I I watched this movie. I don't know if I could tell you what it's about. I uh, I think it's three criminals who somehow become cops in a special cop adjacent program. They've got. Uh, a police chief slash minder played by Dennis Farina. And the idea is that they, they're young. Like I 
guess 20 somethings even though this would still be about the era that claire danes could have gotten away with playing a high schooler uh but they go in and they infiltrate the youth culture um they're you know dressed all crazy because you know that's the mod portion of it we Mm. start off the film with a dictionary definition of what a mod is and also what a squad is and then it's like the mod squad in case you couldn't put it together we literally did for you um so there's this undercover thing i think involving drugs maybe josh brolin shows up as claire dane's ex-boyfriend and i know we're in the spoiler room so i'll just say it in case you haven't figured it out he's the villain of the piece uh and there's a boy band producer and um a car uh chase or three (laughs) i i watched this movie over the weekend i'm literally looking over my notes trying to remember i i can give it if you want (laughs) please do i i I butchered that explanation but i think i got some of the highlights no you you were close you got most of the highlights yes it is three uh teens who were sent to jail who were offered uh a job with the police department to infiltrate the club scene and such because, you know, old fogey white guys can't go in there because they smell like <laughs> cops. But these folks who dress pretty slick can get into pretty much any club and talk their way into it because they're all, you know, uh, they're also very attractive uh, young folks and they can get in and, yeah, they're undercover uh, cops looking usually to bust uh, drugs. Uh, in this case, in the story, they're uh, looking to bust a a crime ring uh, involving drugs Uh, their boss ends up getting killed and they have to go on their own to try to figure out it everything and they soon come across crooked cops they come across a drug lord of the area and yes claire danes this character uh julie is played by uh, her boyfriend josh brolin is billy who's an up-and-comer who wants to uh, get into the business and so you've got uh, Billy, who is an up-and-comer who wants to get with the big boys, and then you have the corrupt cops in there who want to take down the druggy, uh, drug guys, get Billy to work for them instead. And caught up in all of that are the Mod Squad, who are trying to do good by also burying their demons. You know, that's. I, I wish I'd seen that movie. I honestly did not understand <laughs> what half of what I was watching most of the time. Um, part of that is just... I've. I've rarely seen a trio of fine actors play such unlikable, poorly written characters. Like they were all off in their own separate movies, particularly Giovanni Ribisi, who I I kept thinking, I've never seen the Mod Squad TV show, but I have a hard time believing that it's about this. I mean, aside from (laughs) the premise, I can't imagine these three leads being so like antagonistic to each other. Giovanni Rapisi's character, Pete, is legitimately crazy. He's like barking at people. He's mumbling to himself. He's having sex with someone in a nightclub while he's supposed to be on the job, just like up against a wall. And then later he's romancing Claire Danes because I guess he's the only other guy in the movie who's not Omar Epps or Josh Brolin. Uh, <laughs> the, the whole thing's just a mess. And if it weren't for Dennis Farina and Richard Jenkins, uh, who you know plays a corrupt cop, uh, I think I would have completely checked out. And I, again, I love... All of the actors in this movie, like the the there's, it's crazy how much talent there is, especially people who would go on to do like really successful things later, like like Josh Brolin, kind of a renaissance in the last couple of decades. Um, Eddie Griffin shows up as you know Omar Epps's friend. 
you know, it's it's wonderful. Just I, I don't know what any of them are doing in this movie. Also, it's an hour and a half, which I can barely wrap my head around because we're in the era of like two, two and a half hour movies. I'm like, people paid to go see this for an hour and a half in the theater at one point. Well, I guess they didn't because I think it tanked. <laughs> Rent over. I'm sure there'll be more. <laughs> well, that's that's quite all right. I'm I, I'm used to being alone in the corner with a you know standing next to the guy from the Blair Witch Project, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> see, and for me, I guess I'm watching it going, why why did this have issues? Because for me, it was while it's it, not deep by any means. I'm like, this is just kind of a straight up. Uh, crime film. I I was following everything. You know, I I don't know if I went in with absolutely no expectations with it. Um, and, and you know, even with the cast, I was just like, okay, hit me. Or, uh, you know, I have watched many of the TV to movie uh, uh films, and as we were talking about before. <laughs> Uh, there was a number of them out during this time period, like from 95 to a little over 2000, I think. Uh, and many of them were done poorly. And this is one of the ones that was done better than many. Uh, it was. It has a very more coherent narrative than The Avengers, as mm-hmm. I mentioned before. Trust me on this. Or, <laughs> you know, Beverly Hillbillies or... Or, you know, any number of those, uh, even the Starsky and Hutch films later on. Um, you know, for me, it was it was a straight, a basic crime thriller. Maybe, I guess, maybe my brain filled in the the holes that are definitely left on screen. That could be as well. I just, um, I, I kept wondering because they keep, well, all right, the, you describe them as teens. These aren't teenagers. Well, they're not teens. They're young folks, yeah. Right, because they're all kind of like living on their own. Claire Danes has her own apartment. But uh, they keep saying, you know, we're cops, we're cops. Uh, but I'm thinking if these are criminals, there's no way that these three people were lifted out of a jail-type situation, put through the police academy in any stretch of the imagination, and given badges and going on jobs the way that they are. I mean – uh, you look at some. It's almost like the like they took the Mod Squad template from the '70s. Again, a show I haven't seen, so I'm assuming it's somewhat, you know, close, mm. and kind of melded it with this 21 Jump Street kind of idea. But with that series, you could tell they started off as you know just straight cops who are good at their jobs. They also also just happen to look young, right. and then they can go into these places and and you know figure out. Josh Brolin actually uh, guest starred on 21 Jump Street once in a very memorable performance. Um, but these guys, I'm like, they're all just screw ups. I don't, I don't understand how they're supposed to be law enforcement. Um, if they were just people who were trying to stay out of jail, I could have bought that more. But because they kept throwing out these, this particular repetitious line of, you know, we're cops. These are cops. I'm like, no, there's just a disconnect when I'm like, I, I don't understand what I'm looking at. Yeah. Well, and see when. When they throw out that they're cops, usually it was Giovanni Ribisi's character throwing it out that mm-hmm. they're cops. And when I took that mantra is in, they aren't actually cops, but he is trying to convince folks that they are. They are working for the police, but he is he is saying they're actual cops when we never see them actually, any of them have badges. Uh, yeah. You know, and so... I honestly think that was part of was meant to be part of Pete's character 
uh, played by Giovanni, was the fact that he was building him themselves up to be more than what they actually were, which was, you know, they, they work for the cops or undercover in that, but they aren't they aren't ones that have actually gone through the training. It's just a special program, kind of like a suicide squad type of group. Um, in, right. In, in a way. <laughs> I mean, it's not exactly presented that way, but that's the way I pieced, pieced together from what they were doing. And uh, the Pete character, as crazy as he is, was just trying to convince everybody, hey, they are cops, when uh, Julie, Claire Dane's character, and Link, uh, Omar Epps, uh, they knew they weren't, and that's why they never really say that they're cops. <laughs> yeah, and I guess I'm trying to figure out, like, how long has this unit been together? Is this their third job or their mm -hmm. 300th job? Uh, there's no context really given. It's just we're supposed to, you know, accept that these characters are doing what they're doing. And if I think there was a bit more, if they were a bit more well-written or if they weren't just constantly sniping each other and dysfunctional, I'm like, how did this trio of kind of garbage attitude people get through you know one gig let alone enough for the police to say or at least someone mm -hmm. in the police department to sanction this particular group as doing this undercover work because i imagine undercover police work takes a, a decent amount of skill and uh the ability to to blend in and as we see you know at the very beginning of this movie there's a raid on another club, I think, and they're just like all flipping out on each other. And I, I again, I, it was very confusing. Um, I liked the relationship between Julie and Billy, the you know Claire Danes and Josh Brolin character. I thought that was kind of cool, but for I think the audience should not realize that early on that Billy was up to no good <laughs> because what? I'm just sitting here thinking there, there's no way that you cannot see this, especially if whether or not it's true or not, you are working with the police. You should have some kind of modicum of like a detective instinct. It's all right there. Well, she was actually 19 or 20 when they made this. So, I mean, you know, she's still, still the young, uh, the young woman who who apparently was you know her Julie character was into this Billy character quite a bit, so she may not have had too many you know warning signals because she was uh, still had feelings for the character, which is the way I took it. That's why she kind of ignored it. No, I mean for us, especially in twenty twenty vision, we see Josh Brolin show up. We're like, oh, he's the bad guy. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Josh Rowland. I love him. I love his performances, but you look at him going, yeah, he's not a good guy. It's the, yeah, he, I guess he may, there he, might, you know, he may not be a fully bad guy, you know, in this one he is, but a lot of times his roles, he may not be a fully bad guy, but he's not a good guy. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting point because in 1999, you know, looking at it through 1999 eyes, you'd be like, oh my God, it's Brand from the Goonies. I love him. Right? He's, you know, <laughs> Wait a second, he's the villain. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, the, your your whole cast, too, they're not, they were up-and-comers. Uh, you know, they weren't exactly uh, the big names. They were on the rise when they got into this and, and falling into the, uh, yeah, the, 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 uh, um, uh, the trend of the, the the current Hollywood trend at that time, which was the TV to movie genre, um, you know. But yeah, you're, you, back then it's like, oh, cool. It's it's you know, 
It's like you said, it's brand from the Goonies or, you know, because he he wasn't in much. He was in uh, Mimic as well, uh, which I don't think many people watched. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed Mimic. Um, But yeah, so I think maybe that's part of it, too, though, is if you've not seen this before and you go into it, you watch it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's Thanos. No, he's a bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's also the the fact that he just pops up at this club, which is, you know, kind of painted as this hive of scum and villainy type of place Mm -hmm. uh, that immediately I'm tipped off like, oh, he's bad news. They haven't seen each other in a while. Plus, I don't know when the hell they were dating because he looks very much older than she does. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, we, we haven't seen each other in years. I'm like, dude, are you like diddling a 15-year-old? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. There, there, <laughs> no, there is there is that, but uh, I think we, we've, we, we've talked about that in a few of these films in the 90s where it just gets awkward. <laughs> the babysitter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It always comes back to the babysitter, <laughs> the capital A for awkward. <laughs> yeah, I, oh man! But I just imagine Josh Brolin as being like a character that was written off of my so-called life, and and that was the uh, that that's like the prequel series to this uh, this movie. But um, <laughs> no, I yeah, I there this was not. It was a goofy film for sure. Particularly, did you catch? I know we're jumping way ahead here. No, that's fine. Uh, we can or, jump around. It's not exactly the deep film. Yeah. So. <laughs> there is a, there's a scene where I think it was Claire Danes. Mm. Did she drive the car into the building, the 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 airplane hangar at the end? Was that her? No, that she, was that she was in the car with uh, uh Pete. Oh, was it Pete? But okay. Pete so was, Pete was behind the wheel. Uh right. she she's the one that pressed on the accelerator and told him basically gave him the idea to drive right into the Side of the okay, um, but if you pay attention, I don't know if you caught this. The car drives into the airplane hangar and crashes into a wall. Right before the moment of impact, you hear the sound of brakes screeching. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I both turn to each other like, "That doesn't make any sense." Yeah, the sound sound guy was just looking for something to fill that spot, so maybe he picked the wrong. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong it, it woke me up but uh it was, it was kind of strange um yeah I, I i i will i fully admit that it is quirky in that but for me i i enjoyed it uh and the cast and that but again either i've watched many many a, a crime show especially back from that day so for me i maybe it wasn't as jarring or as i said it maybe brain was was filling in some of the spots that weren't actually there uh because i just looked at it it, it, i'm not saying it's anything phenomenal or or stand out by any means but for me it felt like a, a pretty straightforward uh just drug crime uh film you know uh especially of the time where you've got a little bit of humor mixed in, you've got the odd band of people who have to force themselves to work together, um, and then you've got Josh Brolin. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you, I mean, there's bits, there's bits in here that I thought were really well done. Like, uh, I personally like the scene where she goes to the uh, where she follows him once she realizes that Billy isn't there to rekindle the flame, but he's actually. Um, 
looking to to become one of the big players in the drug ring and she discovers that he lied to her about about you know wanting to be with just her again and she makes that phone call and a woman's voice answers and mm-hmm. then she's in that taxi and, and follows him i like that whole sequence i thought that was actually handled well i i enjoyed that part yeah and then there's that that really awkward scene where she was in the closet or the next room and she couldn't leave and she had to sit there the entire night while her boyfriend and one of his mistresses had sex like, right like two feet away i don't that, that could have been its own movie um <laughs> that could have yeah. <laughs> um yeah so i mean some of that stuff worked i i did like um michael lerner showed up as the manager of the boy band slash i guess he was the <laughs> one who had the drugs uh and it it was funny because uh you know i was way bad not into boy band culture but i was fascinated by it back in the 90s all these different groups and there was all these mtv reality shows about boy bands and there was this one guy named lou perlman who was the manager of like the backstreet boys and nsync who years later it turned out he was ripping them off for millions and millions of dollars and he was like this real scumbag mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure the howard character was modeled directly off of him and i loved that when Link, Omar Epps' character, kind of infiltrates that inner circle, there's this really weird scene, right out of Boogie Nights almost, where they're in this apartment and he's like, you want to dance with me? And they're like, um, sure. <laughs> and you just wonder if they were up all night dancing awkwardly. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, it makes you wonder that, uh, and I like that character too. I mean, I, I thought he was interested, the whole dance with me scene. Um, I actually liked, you know, I, I liked that because it was doing something a little different. Plus it did add tension because with him asking legitimately for Link to dance with him, you're like, oh, did he make Link? You know, is he, Mm. is he screwing with Link now? You know, you're waiting for his buddies to like, that's some kind of code word or something. When he says dance with me, they're, they're like, oh, this is actually a cop or something, but uh, when he doesn't, when you then find out legitimately he does want to dance with <laughs> Omar Epps uh, character, Link, uh, it makes it even you know more interesting for that villain. And it, yeah, almost makes you wish you had more of him in the film, um, you know, and, and stick with that being the main uh, antagonist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I honestly the the politics of him, you know, versus Josh Bowen, that's an entire movie that I feel like was getting started just as the movie itself was ramping down. I'm like, no, 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 let's 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 follow this and see where it goes. Um, the thing that struck me the most was the person who directed this movie, uh, Scott Silver. I don't know if you looked him up, but this was the second. And last film he ever directed. But he went on to have a very successful career in Hollywood writing a movie called Eight Mile, uh, mm-hmm. then writing another movie called The Fighter, and then writing the biggest smash hit of last year, Joker, if you can believe it. Um, <laughs> he has well, not written much, but the stuff he has written, nearly all of it's been up for awards. Yeah, and, and then you look at The Mod Squad. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like it took this movie. Maybe he got put in movie jail, and while he was in there, he uh, <laughs> studied up. Like, yeah, maybe I just really want to be a screenwriter. <laughs> it could be. I mean, it, it could be, or that he just realized directing wasn't his thing, either. You know, 
Yeah, um, I think the studios realized that for him. And, and the studio, yeah, the studios. It's all about <laughs> all the all about the money, money, money. And uh, yeah, he uh, <laughs> he did not make them any money, so they're like, nah, nah, just keep writing the the scripts. Though I I, I think it would have been interesting if they would have had their original picks. Uh, who had tried out for the role, which was either Sarah Michelle Gellar or Mia Jovovich. Mm. Um, I I like both of those actresses, and I also like Claire Danes. I think the biggest one one of the big confusions I had also watching this movie is you're right; it is very similar to a lot of kind of crime procedural undercover movies that we've seen, and that's sort of a disappointment, especially mm-hmm. when it's called the Mod Squad. It opens up with this definition of you know it's about like weird high kind of counterculture fashion but all of the characters you know our main characters in the movie just look like everybody else did in the 90s yeah there's nothing <laughs> yeah and it's not like yeah. they're wearing all these elaborate disguises to go undercover or mm-hmm. something like that i just feel like you could have just called this you know the bad news crew or something like that and it would have <laughs> been the exact same thing no, I will get you there. They call it the Mod Squad, and I'm not too familiar with the TV show. I think I've watched one or two episodes. So it may be very well that this was, you know, falling in line with the show. Uh, but when you have a special name, you're you're maybe expecting them each to have a little bit more of a display of special talents or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're right; they just they're just three they're three basic criminals. Uh, turned turn law you know turn helpers of law enforcement or law enforcement folks and so there doesn't seem to be too much special about them um, that the name would apl- imply and I totally see that you know uh, especially for that time you're expecting something oh wow and you get a basic crime procedurally like oh <laughs> you know and I- I'm not sure if they didn't want to try to go like, over the top specialized or, you know, um, or, or if they were trying to go for more of a, just a little bit of the gritty version of the original show, you know, mm. um, it, yeah, it just, it does seem like a, a movie that is kind of confused about what it's supposed to be. And now I'm thinking about it. I think Mila Jovovich would have been much better in the Julie role, mostly because Claire Danes at this point was sort of, you know, like the uh, alternative America's sweetheart. You know, she was in My So-Called Life. She was in Romeo and Juliet. Uh, just to see her playing someone that we're supposed to buy as a criminal, uh, Pete is the only one who really exhibits any kind of, like, weird psychological damage. Like, yeah, I could see this guy as a punk who had problems, ran into, you know, issues with the law. I don't understand what Omar Epps's character, he didn't, you know, he had a bad attitude and he hung out with Eddie Griffin who looked like he was stealing cars or something. But <laughs> other than that, they didn't have any personality except telling people that they were criminals and they had records. Like, I want to know more about these people. I want to be able to believe them as bad guys. But I didn't buy Claire Danes as a criminal at all. She just, she could have been someone who was fresh out of the academy, looked young, and they sent her undercover I would have believed that more than, yeah, you're a hardened criminal and this is your last chance before you go to jail forever. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if, I don't think if they were, they were actually intended to be, you know, hardened criminals, which also uh, can help, you know, make it difficult to sell a movie. Cause when it comes to the wide, when, especially when you get these films that are, 
based off of TV shows and they're brought to the big screen, you're expecting it to be giving you more of something of a big screen experience, something mm. a little bit more dramatic, maybe a little bit extended action scenes that you maybe not have seen in the show or, you know, something a little bit more hyped up maybe, uh, you know, because watching this, I'm like, this would have probably done better had they just did a TV series with these yes. three, you know? Yeah. Because expectations then would be different than when you go to the theater and see it. You know, you're expecting a little bit more of a a spectacle, but the way it's written, it is written like the TV show. And I think that's where a lot of these films fall, can, can end up falter is, okay, do you go too far out different? As I mentioned, the Avengers, you know, hmm. uh, you know, there, there's other films as well. Or do you stick to the roots and try to make something that is pretty much just like the original? Or do you go somewhere in between, like we mentioned Brady Bunch, which uh, for me is probably one of the best ways to do something like this. So, you know, it is a hard balance. That's why I've never really believed in doing a movie version, and no offense to my Firefly, because Serenity is the exception, but mm. doing a movie based off of a TV show. I and it sounds weird because I like Star Trek. Yes, I know it was a TV show, and <laughs> okay, but there was a distance between those things for one, and and two, that was one where they were able to follow the same formula, but they did do it bigger. And in here with the Mod Squad, it felt like they were uh, it almost would it would have worked better as a TV show, I think. Yeah, and I think um, you know you're really onto something there. I think uh, an, another exception might be the first 21 Jump Street movie that they did, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 10 years ago or whenever it was. I, I didn't care for the second one that much, but, you know, taking the idea of the show, uh, satirizing it, but also picking it apart to make it like a genuine cop adventure movie with, you know, some humor thrown in, you know, deconstructing mm -hmm. it. That's fine. But looking at 1999, it wasn't the same landscape as it is today. Whereas if someone were to say, okay, Let's remake the Mod Squad. I think instantly people would think, oh, this is a TV series. Mm -hmm. We'll put it on Netflix. We'll put it on Hulu. Back then, TV was still kind of like, I'm not going to go do TV. Let's just turn it into a movie. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And now now it probably would be a series before it was a movie, in yeah. all honesty, with, with uh, Mod Squad. They would probably revitalize it as a, a limited Netflix series versus um, doing it as a straight-up uh, widescreen feature. You know, with with uh, again, as you mentioned, there is a talented cast in here, and and I enjoyed seeing them on screen. Um, I fully admit, this film doesn't add anything. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, I will be I'll be the first to admit this film doesn't add anything. It is basic. Uh, you get some real interesting relationships in here, which actually it showed up when I was watching the Avengers as well because I watched it right after this for whatever reason. I hate myself. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but um, I don't, at least it, it, we've gotten away from it a little bit now, it seems like. But especially in the 90s, there seemed to be this tendency going, we've got to have some kind of uh, 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 love tension or something between your team members, at least two of them. They can't just be plutonic, the whole group. There's, right. you, you, you've got to have, even if we don't explore it fully, it's got to be hinted at it. They had it in the Avengers, which this show didn't have that. 
from what I remember it, you know, there was a playfulness, there was a bit of tension, but no one ever actually, you know, acted on it at all. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and in here, same thing with the uh, Claire Danes and Giovanni's character. It's like you're watching this and all of a sudden it feels a bit out of the blue. Uh, she feels betrayed. They end up staying at a hotel because they're on the run because uh, bad guys are looking for them, uh, as well as the crooked cops. So they're in this hotel, and she's feeling really bad. And so there's this scene where she goes, just, you know, just hold me. And she crawls <laughs> into bed with uh, Petey, uh, with Pete, and they, they have this what's supposed to be, I guess, you know, kind of a touching moment. But for me, I'm just like, well, this is your standard forced 90s romance type angle and i i dislike those not because i dislike the romantic relationship part i dislike it because it always always felt forced in so many of these films yeah and i think if uh if they wanted to be a bit bolder about it they should have had uh julian link hook up yeah Um, if if there's gonna be two people on the team because they seemed the most uh level-headed i mean because pete very early on, because I, I I love Giovanni Ribisi as an actor, but one of the things that you get with him is this sort of like wily unpredictability, and, and especially when he's barking at people and talking to himself and like repeating lines like this guy is mentally disturbed, and he has this kind of a third act reformation where he's a little bit less unbalanced, and I think that's because they had to like you're talking about shoehorn in that relationship with Julie. I'm like this, no, this doesn't make sense. I think Julie would have, she was smart enough. And I know I'm contradicting myself because I thought she was kind of dim when it came to sussing out uh, (laughs) Josh Brolin, but she's got eyes, she's got ears and she has ostensibly a memory to know that Pete is off his rocker and is not boyfriend material. (laughs) And they try and do that thing where Pete goes back to his parents' house and has this whole, you know, uh, confrontation with them and we're supposed to feel bad that they boot him out of the house. I'm like, these look like respectable, like suburban (laughs) middle-class parents and they've got a psycho for a kid who's also a criminal. Like, yeah, shut the door on him. No sympathy for me. Yeah, there, there is that scene out of the blue sort of, of him going to his parents when they're on the lam, which I wasn't quite sure on. Um, and his character does seem to take a, and maybe it was implied that, you know, they were trying to imply that after the uh, encounter with his parents that kind of snapped him to reality. Um, but it's not done well uh, at all, I think. <laughs> um, uh, his character does take a drastic turn to where he dials it down uh, just before they hint at some kind of possible feeling between uh, Pete and Julie. Uh, even though they never fully explore it, uh, it is it is touched on. And you're right. If if anything, you look at the dynamic between these three, I would have totally expected Julie and Link, uh, Claire Dane's character and Omar Epps' character, I would have fully expected them to actually develop something, maybe because they're the more level-headed ones than Pete and having Pete be the third wheel. You know, mm-hmm. that I think would be an interesting uh, exploration. We're talking 99, though, folks. Not as woke as it likes to think it is. (laughs) Julian Link would have never happened, but it would have been interesting. I think it would have been bold, and it would have made more sense had those two, they developed, or at least hinted at, those two 
liking each other a lot more uh, than Julie and Pete. Yeah, I mean, you were still like a year off from, I think, Save the Last Dance and I think uh, Othello yeah. and, and kind of exploring those things, uh, I think, both with Julia Stiles. Uh, yeah, you know, who just later disappears on. off the map. Uh, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, we're, I think, demanding a little bit too much from this uh, kind of a popcornish type of movie. But yeah, it, it, it's weird. It does feel like uh, like an extended episode of television almost like a pilot that people mm-hmm. were expected to go pay nine bucks to to see in a theater and maybe that's why it didn't uh didn't fare so well hey, um, hey man I, we're talking 1999 in wisconsin seven bucks oh seven shoot, not sorry. nine <laughs> well did they have like vibrating seats or 3d or something yeah, uh, no no well, we, we did have we had 3d in the 80s come on you know so and that 3d you couldn't watch the film without the glasses okay the way they did that 3D, if you took it off, it looks like someone did a Gaussian blur over the entire thing, and you wouldn't be able to tell what the hell is going on. Anyway, sorry. Oh, no. I, <laughs> no apologies for me, man. I'm, I'm all about the nostalgia. Um, I did like that at the very end, they're literally taking a long walk of a relatively <laughs> short pier. Yeah. I'm like, where are they going? <laughs> Again, in 90s fashion, the, okay, we're not doing freeze frame. There, There's movement, they're walking, there's dialogue as the credits are rolling, um, which I'm like, wow, that I've really discovered doing this 52 degrees, just how tropish that is <laughs> from that decade of, of film. Um, but yeah, it's... It, but for like I said, for me, I guess I didn't have much of any expectations and going into it, I enjoyed it. Uh, not saying it's phenomenal by anything or that I'll watch it again anytime soon, but I, I found interesting things in here. Like, you know, you did get uh, some interesting dialogue that was written well. Uh, not all of it, but some of it. I liked the joke with uh, talking about getting too old for this shit mm. and... Uh, you know, uh, not being in an abandoned warehouse. It's sort of playing with meta by making it, you know, oh, great, we've got drug lords. We got, if this takes place in an abandoned warehouse, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's that's sort of the, the one of the frustrating things about it is, and I'd have to go back and look at more late 90s movies to see if we were in the on the meta precipice at this point. But yeah, that kind of, knowing winking dialogue is fun and you can play with that aside instead of just going with the kind of a standard, you know, it being a bit of flavoring and otherwise bland soup. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I, now that we're talking about it, I would love to see a new mod squad as a TV show Mm -hmm. that, you know, goes crazy with like the fashion and really getting into these characters and uh yeah there's there's a lot you could do with this i think without making it cheesy again i haven't seen the 70s uh or whenever it was tv show so i don't know if it was actually cheesy or kind of what we were talking about a little while ago with you know it just looks cheesy to us because we're so much more sophisticated for year 40 years on (laughs) but you could do something with this i think oh yeah no there's definitely stuff you could do with the modern twist i mean the 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 concept of it uh, of the seventies show, uh, the entire series was based is similar to the concept here in that the mod squad has a leader who is killed and framed for drugs, and then they do their best to go above and beyond to fight the crime and prove their their leader's innocence by kind of being rogue cops on their own. 
Um, at least that's what it, it said from the synopsis and from what I remember of a couple of the episodes I watched. So, you know, they took the entire concept of the entire TV series and tried to cram it into the movie. And yeah, I think now you could do some interesting things with it. You could be topical. Uh, you could you could play with a lot of things and make it more mature too. You know, mm-hmm. uh, make make it a a, a a more like rated R type series. Um, you know, and make it a crime procedural, but but the mod squad and, and play with that idea more. Like you said, the clothing and that. I honestly think this is a film that, on paper, to the producers, was going to just be huge, but then right. they they didn't get the budget they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? They, oh, yeah. they 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 did get the budget they wanted, but they still were committed to making the film. So then that's what you get here with the mod squad cuz you could feel like it was trying to be more than what it was. Like there's potential there, uh but it just really felt like it was it was thinking or trying had more bigger aspirations than what it ends up being. Yeah, uh, definitely and I think the biggest crime the movie commits, honestly, is that it gives Dennis Farina, the great late Dennis Farina, all of five minutes of screen time. Why <laughs> did why did he have to be the guy who got killed at the beginning of the movie? Make him the crooked cop. Come on. Oh, he just, yeah. You know, he make him the because he's Dennis Farina. So it's like <laughs> it's only it, it would feel natural that way you know (laughs) because he's a character he's an actor and i I love him i always love when he's on screen but he's always a guy you're never quite sure the way he plays him okay is he a true good guy or is he on the take i can't tell with him even if when he is being good are you really being good (laughs) (laughs) oh my god did you ever see get shorty oh yeah i love get shorty I, I do too, and, and I feel really old because that movie turns twenty five this year. Oh, sweet um, lord! Oh, yeah, lord. right. <laughs> but I, yeah, he was one of my all time favorite, you know, comedy heavies uh, in that in that role. Well, that, that's what I always loved about the roles that he was in because uh, in movies like that, because he would, he's the type of guy who you look at him and it. You're going, okay, seriousness, his character, but then the character he's playing is so over the top, it's just comical, and he's doing it on purpose, and you're like, that's, you know, that's always his talent. I, I've always loved that about uh, nearly any of his performances, you know? So, yeah, Get Shorty was was highly entertaining, one of my favorite roles of his, but uh, I've always liked him. It's like when he shows up on the screen, I feel good. <laughs> <It's> yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's he's one of those actors that uh, it it doesn't matter what role they're in. Um, when they show on on screen, you're like, oh, okay. At least this scene, even if they don't get a whole lot, I can dig this scene, and and you you know you just feel it, and you get that in this too. You know, I would yeah. have liked to see a little more exploration in Omar Epps' character. I found his character Link fascinating. I go, I want to know more about this guy. You know, because out of the three of them, he's the one that plays it. He plays it the straightest and most seriousness, but also the most I don't give a fuck uh, <laughs> attitude. You know, but he is a character I really, outside of, you know, the Pete and, and Julie character, no offense to, to either one of the actor and actresses there, 
I really wanted to see more about Omar Epps's character personally because it and it seemed like there was potential there for sure, especially when he meets up with his buddy. Yeah, I I, I feel like some of that was probably left for you know if they do a sequel, then maybe Link would have gotten pushed to the forefront, um, or at least given more of a balance at the time. Uh, but yeah, this thing didn't get. <laughs> <laughs> didn't it, make any money. Didn't get greenlit. They had a budget of fifty mil, and they made thirteen mil. So it was pretty much it, with that. Whatever idea of a franchise is long gone, <laughs> oh. especially in ninety nine. Um, you know, and yeah, they they touch on a lot of things, but they. It's one of those where they they drop a lot of these things that would have been great had they focused just on them. Don't get me wrong. While I did enjoy it, it was one of those things where I, I like they're trying to almost pack too much into the film, which we have seen with a number of other films, especially ones based off of series, where mm-hmm. it's like, this is our one chance. We got to put everything in. <laughs> instead of letting the things breathe. It could have still bed the 90 minutes, but, you know, cut it down. You don't need the Billy character. Just leave it be the main drug lord character they want to try to bring down because the drug lord character framed their uh because they think he's the one behind you know their leader dying when actually it's the crooked cops and then you've got the crooked cops against the drug lords i liked that angle too but none of it you stick around too much because they already are moving on to the next idea yeah this series ran from for five seasons it looks like from 68 to 73 yeah and so you're you're like okay we're gonna pack five seasons of a tv show into an (laughs) hour and a half (laughs) movie it's just not gonna not gonna work yeah and again that unfortunately happens even today uh well not today but in the aughts if you will when they were still carrying on kind of the tradition and even later on doing these films based off of tv shows to where either they're totally making, they're shitting on the original show altogether, um, you know, Baywatch, uh, or, <laughs> um, oh, God, that movie. Oh, I'm like, I'm like, first off, you know what you're basing this movie off of, right? And second of all, okay, now you're going to poke fun at it? I'm like, you realize this is a series that has a devout fan base, right? and you're gonna poke fun at it that's not exactly the approach you want to take you know but and and again i think it's it's the danger of almost any of these unless depending on the show uh most shows i just i don't see it they made it work with star trek but star trek is sci-fi and it lent itself to being you know big motion picture you know uh, experience uh, you could see them going on the grander scale but when you have a crime procedural show and you're trying to do a movie it's not usually going to work or a sitcom that you decide to make into a movie um, <laughs> or like saturday night live a comedic skit that they decide to devote to a whole movie <laughs> well and but Devote, SNL is yeah. yeah SNL is kind of the exception like a lot of those movies didn't work but the reason they made a lot of those movies is because the one that really did work Wayne's World was a huge mm-hmm. hit but I think a lot of that comes back down to the concept like take these guys out of the basement you know what is the world that they 
live in instead of just like, okay, we're just going to have an hour and a half of this skit <laughs> over and over again. Right. Wayne's World leads it to that because you have a lot of windows of opportunity to bring, and they took advantage of it, bringing in uh, bands and music and, and, you know, whereas you get like a church lady or, or Smalley, you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, those are gimmick characters, but they're harder to do. I mean... You look at SNL skits that were successful. Blues Brothers is is the classic, you know. You know, it's damn it. I I feel embarrassed now because I should have <laughs> thought of Blues Brothers because that's that's something that I almost whenever I think of Blues Brothers, it always takes me a step or two to remember. Oh, that's based on an SNL skit. It's just you know, it's just the Blues Brothers. It's that movie that's so uh, iconic that like the roots of it are almost secondary. Yeah, it is. And I mean, they went on to two albums. I actually have one on vinyl. I found, uh, I've got one of the blues brothers albums on vinyl. So, I mean, they made more of it than that, but that's where a lot of people got the exposure was it was a skit on SNL and it worked. But again, it's depends on the skit. It depends on the material. And I think bringing it around here, just like your movie based off a TV show, it depends on the TV show. Like you said, the 21 Jump Street, the first one, was a gimmick that a lot of people liked because it deconstructed it and deconstructed it well enough, yet it was still a story on its own. Uh, and that's why I think 2 didn't do quite as well. Uh, <laughs> because <laughs> it's, it's you're like, oh, this again. Okay. Um, you know, whereas you get Baywatch, which just is totally felt like it was was poking fun and not only that that story was just i was like oh there's so much potential here and you're squandering it all i yeah um, i've seen baywatch and i have no I, recollection what it was even about except that zach efron and the rock were in it um but talking about like this movie and i know you liked it more than i did certainly but i think one of the the problems is it is just a TV show episode that mm-hmm. could have you could have pasted any cast or names in it. There would be nothing to discern it from. Oh, this is this is the Mod Squad. This is the Stamp. Uh, I think if you had come up with you know given these characters an origin story, you know really made it about pulling this team together and having a job that had like a big uh, scale to it, something that you don't really see on you know television, a more complicated plot, uh, then it would have been something. But you kind of go into it and yeah, there's a lot of like dialogue and kind of like quick flashes of like the characters and their title cards and that kind of information, like the trading card (laughs) style (laughs) info you get at the beginning that for me, I was disoriented by, I'm like, what am I watching? Who are these people? Why should I care about them? Mm. I kind of had that pick that up as I went along, but I'm also in the middle of watching this kind of a run of the mill, uh, police procedural, uh, that I didn't, care enough about to be invested enough to find out why I should care. It's like a, it's like a weird closed loop. (laughs) And and I totally get that, you know, and maybe for me it was because I'm watching it on the smaller screen and I, I, you know, I have it on DVD, uh, you know, what? I don't know. I have so many DVDs that I just, (laughs) you know, there's sales. And so you just pick something up and you're like, Oh, okay. 
Um, you know, <laughs> 50 cents or a buck, you can't go wrong, all right? So, I, Look, I, I appreciate it. We should turn this into a segment, Spoiler Room True Confessions. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm Mark, and I just buy DVDs when they're on the cheap. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, but maybe that's what the experience was, too. But I... I fully get the criticism, uh, but for me, I, I found entertainment in here. And again, uh, maybe it was because I was imagining where, where it would go from here. Though, I, I I was giving it too much credit, but I'm almost like when the Silver Plane showed up, even though it had the boy band, I'm like, oh, here we go. We're, we're, we're tapping into the old uh, 70s exploitation with the, the old Silver Plane uh, that we have here, you know, we, we've got an old, uh, uh, Pam Greer movie going on, <laughs> you know? Oh man, if Pam Greer and Sid Haig showed up in this movie, <laughs> instant five stars. It just would have made it instantly better. Them just, just standing there, just being present. <laughs> they, they don't even have to do anything. They just have to walk into frame and walk out. And you're just like, this movie just got 10 times better. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up for the night. Uh, the Mod Squad, again, I threw this month together because I had to retool it. So uh, it is connected. Omar Epps, if you didn't pick up on it, was in Scream 2. Thank you for my correct the correction. Scream 2, he was in that. And then he was in the Mod Squad here, uh, you know, having more screen time, which was great. Uh, maybe just could have used a better written role. And yeah, if you like a very basic crime procedural and you like these performers, I would recommend it. But this is uh, definitely get it like on a free rental or, or 50 cent rental. Uh, there's <laughs> nothing extravagant here that would warrant it to be the big screen release. But I, if you enjoy your crime procedural, it, it's okay. It's, it's suitable. But Ian, your final thought with it, I think I know where you're going with it, but go ahead. <laughs> You know, it's an hour and a half fascination. Um, it's, yeah, that's that's all. It's, it's an hour and a half fascination. It's got a great cast. It's an interesting little time capsule. Um, I I think there's a lot of enjoyment to get out of this in the meta sense, but not in the actual practical watching of the sense. <laughs> Uh, well said well said yeah and it was put out by mgm in, in 1999 and if you know anything about mgm you know they they were yeah on the ropes for a long a long time in that so you know it, it's i think they were already they were running into some problems legally around this time as well so maybe this was a property that they had that they wanted to try to unload and do mm. something with before they completely, you know, uh, lost it. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like a like a Hail Mary pass. Like, ah, I would just put Mod Squad out there. Maybe the kids will go see it. Right. You know, uh, looking for maybe a tentpole film of some such that would, would help because uh, uh, I, I believe there with the MGM... Uh, and uh, Sam Goldwyn was suing them because they started the Sam Goldwyn company under the Goldwyn fi film names, if I remember correctly, uh, with Goldwyn. There was controversy, I remember, with MGM. So, uh, you know, who knows with that? But, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our ramblings of this, probably talking <laughs> and giving it more attention than many people feel it deserves. But uh, there, there is something here. It's just... 
it's one of those things where there could have been more. Definitely. I, you know, there's there was potential here with this cast, especially the three leads, so much talent there to give them just a basic script that, as you said, you could pretty have well have plugged any flavor of the day actor into this role uh, because they didn't need that talent in the roles that they were written for them because they are written basics. So it is what it is. And some, you know, uh, I, 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 3%, I still think is a little low, <laughs> but then again, as I mentioned earlier, mega force is 0% on rotten tomatoes and that's just a crime. Um, <laughs> but that's a discussion for another time. So now, uh, thank you, Ian, for muscling through the film. I appreciate you uh, doing these. And now is your time. You get the license to shill. So please shill away and tell folks uh, where they can find your stuff at. Um, you, you can find me at kicking the seat. That's uh, kickseat.com. Uh, I do a podcast uh, three times a week. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com. I imagine probably kicking the seat. So, uh, yeah, check me out, and uh, I'd love to have some more listeners. And I'm also here every week, as it turns out, and this has been a tremendous amount of fun. Even movies that I don't care for, like The Mod Squad, <laughs> I always look forward to talking with you about them. So it's it's never a complete loss. <laughs> well, as I, as I warned you when we first start this and say quite often, uh, I do have a reputation of uh, enjoying films that people hate uh, and being soft on films, and that's okay. I'm good. I'm, I'm fine with that. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, folks, I uh, hope you enjoyed this discussion. Yes, please subscribe and also uh, give you just a, wet your whistle a little bit. There's an interesting film next week that has, like eight links to other films uh, via Kevin Bacon method in it. It's called All the Rage and I will tell you next week how it's connected to the Bod Squad so you'll have to stay tuned. So until then folks, we'll just say a good night everyone. Good night. Hey, all my friends out there looking for more Spoiler Room goodness? Then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to exclusive Spoiler Room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups at SMPRD and on to Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the Spoiler Room, as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support, and remember in the Spoiler Room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.